The book of Genesis, chapter 6, verse 4, it tells us about when these spiritual beings who are called the sons of God reproduced offspring with human women. Now, you know from that opening sentence that this podcast is properly titled, Welcome to Weird Stuff in the Bible, where we explore scripture passages that are bizarre, perplexing, or just plain weird. My name is Luke, not Skywalker. I'm Luke Taylor. And today we're going to be spending one more episode dealing, uh, digging into this issue of what happened to the Nephilim, or also called the giants, and these are in the Old Testament. These are the offspring of women, and these rebellious angels who were called the sons of God. And so if you want to go back, uh, I've done three episodes on this issue already. Here's the fourth, and I'm going to take a break from this issue for a while now and get back to some other things. But this is the fourth episode in a row here where I'm talking about Nephilim specifically today. I really want to focus on Nephilim after the flood. You see, in Genesis 6-4, it says there were giants or Nephilim in the earth in those days, talking about the days before the flood. It says there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that, okay? And also after that. So this didn't just happen in those pre-flood days. It happened again other days. It happened again after the flood. God had sent a flood to wipe out all life on the planet. And yet after the flood, this creation of Nephilim or the giants, it happened again. Now, I find this to be weird, and I'd like to explore why it's in the Bible. And so I'm excited for today because the Bible is going to make so much more sense to you. Like 20 minutes from now, after you've heard this episode, the Bible's going to make more sense to you than ever. So let's start in Numbers 13, turn there, and let's get weird. Some people have a really hard time with this concept of divine or angelic beings coming down to mate with human women. And then that's where they start trying to detour into one of these alternative theories, like what's called the line of Seth, Seth view. And so I love to get to this point in the study, like what we're going to be talking about today, because I'm going to start pointing out how once you accept that angelic beings produced these giant, evil, monstrous offspring in the Old Testament— once you accept that, it actually really starts to unlock a lot of other things in the scriptures and it make, makes the scripture make so much more sense than what it did before. And so that's what you're going to get out of today's study. I, I once did a lesson similar to this called Tracing the Giants. Um, it wasn't on this podcast. I did this years ago. I was, I was studying the book of Jude with my youth group when I was a youth pastor, and I just thought Jude would be a really fine book to use as a Bible study. Like one summer hit, and I was like, let's do a summer Bible study. The kids were out of school, and I was like, "This Jude would be a good one to, 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 you know, it's only one chapter, but to just kind of dig into this book during that season, <laughs> okay? That is actually not a light book, you know, to, despite being only one chapter. The book of Jude packs a huge punch, and so I was like, man, those kids probably didn't <laughs> feel like they really got a summer break that year, because when you study Jude, I mean, you really have to do your homework to understand it, and so we, we dug into that's how I start, got into studying all this Nephilim stuff. I kind of came across it through through Jude. And um, I kept waiting all summer for like a parent to call me and be like, hey, why did my kid attend your summer Bible study and, and hear about giants and angels marrying women and all this stuff? Thankfully, that call never came. I was ready for it, though. I was like, hey, this is just this is what the Bible says. So anyway, I'm, and I, hey, if you have questions about this, I'm ready for it here, too. So on this podcast, 
Uh, we've been crawling through the book of Jude on this podcast, and Jude has sent us on this side mission to investigate the Nephilim. You know, this is kind of like, it's like one of those video games, the book of Jude. It's like one of those video games where you, you can kind of explore it at your leisure, but then there's all these side quests that keep popping up and they detour you from the main storyline for a little bit. And that's what the book of Jude is kind of like. So Jude 5 and 6, they refer back to the, the Old Testament stories of the giants and the sons of God. And so we've just been kind of in this side quest here to, to better understand the sons of God. And, um, and we're going to go further into Jude next week uh, after Christmas. So Christmas is on Monday and my episodes release on Wednesdays. And I'm going to go ahead and put an episode out next week on Wednesday, two days after Christmas. Normally, I wouldn't do that. But I'm just I'm so excited about the stuff that I want to get into in January. Um, I wouldn't normally put out a podcast on a holiday week, but I, I can't wait to get into this stuff I have planned for January. So we're going to go ahead and just keep on popping through. Make sure you are subscribed so that you can get into all that stuff with me next month. So today's lesson is called Nephilim after the flood. And that's because there was a second phase of Nephilim after the flood of Noah wiped out the first phase. And it's my belief that Noah was chosen, not just because he was a good man, but because he was one of the few humans on the earth at that time who had no demonic or Nephilim DNA in his bloodline. And so that's why it says Noah was perfect in his generations. So Noah and his kids, they were all saved above the waters of the flood. All of those, all of those phase one Nephilim, they died. Okay, now if they didn't die, then God sent the flood for nothing. <laughs> so I, I think that they all, 100% of them, perished in the flood. I don't believe any theories out there that say some of the Nephilim survived or that one of Noah's kids was a Nephilim. I don't buy that. I believe that the sons of God came down and they tried this again after the flood, tried this thing of mating with human women. And so, you know, we don't have a story in the Bible that says when that happened, but it was sometime between the flood of Noah and the time of Moses. It, it happened again. And so, I, you know, as, as, as I'm going forward on this podcast, I hope to kind of come across that story somewhere. And even if it's kind of a theory or whatever, but I hope to find it and perhaps I'll be able to share it with you uh, going forward someday down the road. So one of the original Nephilim in phase two, okay, talking about the phase two Nephilim here, it was a guy named Anak. And we know this because of the verses that we studied last week. Numbers 13.33, it says, we saw the Nephilim were giants. Okay, it's the same word in, in other translations, Nephilim giants. It says, we saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So, and that's that was the NIV version right there. So different versions will say, some will say Nephilim, some will say giants. It means the same thing. And so the sons of Anak are also called the Anakim, or Anakim, later in the Bible. So if you're taking notes, here's what I would like you to do. Write Nephilim, okay, write the word, and then draw an arrow, and have that arrow pointing at the word Anakim, all right? If you're taking notes on a computer, it's probably going to try to autocorrect Anakim to Anakin, like Anakin Skywalker, but this is not Skywalker, just like I'm not Luke Skywalker. This is Anakim with an M, not an, not an N, okay? In Hebrew, whenever you make a word plural, the way that that's like transliterated here in English, it's like adding an I-M to the end of the word. So like cherub becomes cherubim, and you have Nephilim, and the sons of Anak, they're called the Anakim, or Anakim. And so anyway, that becomes a word 
to refer to the Nephilim giants around the time of Numbers 13 is that they become what they're instead of being called the Nephilim, they're called the Anakim. And so throughout Israel's wilderness wanderings, they encounter another group of giants. And this is near Bashan. We learn that they have a leader over there named Og, which, you know, when I read Og, I'm just like, that is such a, that's the perfect name for a giant. Okay. You know, if you, <laughs> if you were to meet a giant and, and then find out his name is like Jimmy or, or Greg or something, that, like, that just wouldn't be a, a very fitting name for a giant. But, but anyway, this guy, he's like, I am Og, king of the giants. And I'm just like, that, that is the perfect name right there. So my, my hat's off to his parents. Like they really, they really nailed it with that name. I couldn't think of a better name for the king of the giants than Og. So in Deuteronomy 3, Moses is recounting the story of their encounter with Og. And it says in Deuteronomy 3, 3, So the Lord our God also delivered into our hands Og, king of Bashan, with all his people. And we attacked him until he had no survivors remaining. And the location there that Og is in Bashan, that's, a, that's an interesting location because that is a, there's a significant mountain in the northern part of the land of Israel in this region of Bashan. And there is always weird and demonic stuff going on anytime you talk about Bashan. There's always weird stuff going on. So Bashan is probably going to come up a lot on this podcast. According to the book of Enoch, and I know Enoch is not scripture, you don't have to tell me, but... As I always also want to point out, the Bible writers did accept it as a true story or as a reliable account of what happened around the time of the flood. So, you know, the Bible writers kind of gave it an endorsement, quoting from it and stuff like that. Do what you want with that information. According to the book of Enoch, Bashan was the place in Genesis 6 where the sons of God came down and lusted after and married women. This was the location, the exact location physically on earth where this happened. In particular, a mountain that's in Bashan called Mount Hermon or Hermon. And so throughout the Bible, whenever you see Bashan brought up, this is, or, or Hermon, this is always a place of darkness, foreboding. In fact, the word Bashan, it means serpent. The Bashan region was called the place of the serpent. According to other ancient texts from that time, Bashan was also considered the gateway to the underworld. In New Testament times, it was called the gates of hell. And there's a whole other study we could get into sometime, because you might recognize that phrase, the gates of hell. You might recognize that from something Jesus said right out there in Bashan. So, what did Moses remember about Og as he's recounting this story of, of the king of the giants at Bashan? So he says in Deuteronomy 3.11, for only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants. Indeed, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. Is it not in Rabbah of the people of Ammon? Nine cubits is its length, and four cubits its width, according to the standard cubit. So in English, it's saying that his bed was like 13 feet long. Okay, so as I've been saying, the giants in the Old Testament, these are not like hundreds of feet tall, something like Godzilla, okay? It's not like that. When we say the giants, they were just a few feet taller than people are, okay? Og, in particular, was super tall. He was like 13 feet tall, all right? He probably a bit shorter than 13 feet, if that's how long his bed was, but this was a really huge guy, okay? And Moses here is kind of bragging about it. He's like, hey, remember whenever we killed that guy? I mean, that was a good day. <laughs> you know, we took his bed, we put it in a museum. It was, it was pretty cool. So the word for giants right here, it's not... Nephilim in this passage, it's actually a different word, 
the Rephaim. All right. This is another word for Nephilim or Anakim. The Rephaim. The Rephaim. It's, it's another name that the Nephilim became known by as time went on. And my best guess is like this comes from perhaps another Nephilim who was named Rapha. And so his descendants were called the Raphaim. Anak's descendants were called the Anakim. All right, see how that kind of works? So I think some of these phase two Nephilim, the original phase two Nephilim were named Anak and Rapha. And that's where some of these names come from. But the names of the, the Nephilim, they change over time. Uh, let's, keep, let's keep tracking that down. In Joshua chapter 11, verses 20 through 22. It says, for it was of the Lord. To, it's talking about when Joshua went into the promised land with the people of Israel. They finally took the land. You know, they didn't do it with Moses back in Numbers 13. They finally went in and did it in the book of Joshua. And remember, God told him, go in, wipe out everybody. All right. So it says in verse uh, chapter 11, verse 20 of, of Joshua, for it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them and that they might receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 21. And let me just comment on verse 20 right there. Okay, just notice God wanted complete destruction of these people. Okay, it says no mercy, utterly destroyed them. When God told the Israelites to go into these towns and wipe out these people, he said every last man, woman, boy, and girl. Sounds pretty extreme. You know, like a lot of people, especially modern people, they really struggle with this instruction that God would give to go in and they're like, why, why kill the women? Why kill the kids? All that stuff. And this is why, because if these bloodlines with the Nephilim DNA, if they are not purged, they're just going to continue to grow and spread across the planet. It already happened before and God had to wipe everything out with a flood. And so God is, you know, that's why God is like so resolute right here and says, wipe out everything. So, you know, that's a lot of people struggle with that instruction and they say it sounds too harsh. They don't actually understand the Old Testament context a lot of the time, like the, the historical context of what was actually going on in that land. So verse 21, and at that time, Joshua came and cut off the Anakim from the mountains, from Hebron, from Debir, from Anab, from all the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel, Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. Joshua was doing what he was supposed to, wiping out every last one of them, killing off the giants, okay? In verse 22, though, pay attention to this. None of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod, okay? So where did the Anakim go that the Israelites didn't destroy? Well, one of the places was Gaza. It says they didn't get the ones in Gaza, okay? It's interesting, isn't it? That same strip of land that Israel has never been able to get its hands on, even up to today. You know, <laughs> they're fighting in it right now. They failed to take it back then, thousands of years ago. Today, it's considered the property of Palestine. It's interesting, though, guys. You look in the headlines, Israel is fighting for it right now. I think we need to pray that they finally take it. Okay, and then another place, another city where um, the, the Israel didn't get and where the giants remained, another one there was Gath. All right, that is one of the three places that the Anakim, who survived, where they ended up. So in your notes, where you have an arrow pointing at the Anakim, okay, draw another arrow from Anakim and write the word Gath. Point at the word Gath, okay? The, the giants in Anakim, they became, they, they went to a place called Gath, and this became their little, whole, their little place where they could survive for a little bit longer. They hold up in this town of the Philistines 
called Gath. Okay? Then we come to 1 Samuel. This is the story of David and Goliath. And it says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 4, it's a familiar story, so I don't think I need to set the stage. It says, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. So in modern terms, this giant was almost 10 feet tall. Okay, 10 feet. Six cubits and a span was almost 10 feet. Now, if you were to look at the tallest man in the world today, his name is Sultan Kasim. He is eight foot three. Okay, not even close to Goliath. He's still lacking a few feet from Goliath. He's the tallest man in the world today. If I was at, um, there's, a, there's a Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum a couple hours from where I live. There is a statue at Ripley's of some guy. He was reportedly like the tallest man who ever lived, okay? And they had a statue of him so you could see how big he was. And uh, I can't remember his name. Waldorf or something like that? Anyway, he was close to nine feet tall, all right? So this, we saw the statue nine feet tall. And yet the Bible says Goliath was even taller than that. Okay, so Goliath was, I mean, this is where if you really stop and think, this story of David and Goliath, I mean, this is, an, this is a pretty extreme story. <laughs> you got a teenage kid and a guy who's taller than any person that we have record of today in 2023. Goliath even outshines them. So you say, well, Luke, wait, we know Goliath was like some kind of freak of nature. But how do you know that Goliath was a Nephilim? Well, because look at where it said that Goliath came from. It says a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath. Okay, so remember our in your notes, Nephilim pointing to Anakim. They got their name changed to the Anakim. And they went to a town called Gath. And Gath is the hometown of Goliath. So whenever we say David fought the giant, another way you could say that is that David fought a Nephilim. Okay, this was not just an extra tall guy. He's not just a freak of nature. I mean, he is a freak of nature, but I mean, this isn't like a random thing that could just happen out of the blue. Okay, Goliath is way taller than even the tallest person that we have record of today. Goliath was over 10 feet tall or about 10 feet tall. All right. He was a Nephilim. That's how tall these things were. Now, before we leave, before we leave 1 Samuel 17, I want you to just look at verse 40 real quick. Something really cool right here. It says then, when David's getting ready to fight Goliath, it says then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. All right, so let's explain that before we close down for today. Let's jump ahead a little bit to 2 Samuel chapter 21. In this chapter, and I think Chronicles speaks of this as well, we learned that the Israelites continued to battle and continued to wipe out these last few remaining descendants of the giants, okay? Because remember, in Joshua's time, he got, him, he got him down to just a few cities left, but they do continue to be a little bit of a problem. There's not a whole bunch of them running around, but they do continue to be a bit of a problem up to the time of 2 Samuel 21, at least. And this is when David is king. And so it gives us a few stories of different giants who they fought. Verse 16, it says, Then Ishibanob, who was one of the sons of the giant, in the Hebrew, this is, this is one of the descendants of Rapha, it says, The weight of whose spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. Let's look at verse 18. Now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibekai the Hushathite killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Okay, Rapha, right there, Raphaim. 
again, there was war at Gob or Job with the Phil. I don't know how to say this. Gob. <laughs> Gob sounds like good, like a good giant city name. Again, there was war at Gob with the Philistines, where El Nathan, the son of Jeroogram, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again, there was war at Gath. There was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number. And he also was born to the giant, or Rapha. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So all these giants, these other four giants that they fought, they were all from Gath and they were all giants. They were all Nephilim. And eventually they went by the Anakim. Then they became the Gathites or the Gittites. And eventually they're referred to as the Rephaim in the Bible. And we can trace all this very clearly in a straight, direct line. We go through Numbers, Deuteronomy, through Joshua, through 1 Samuel, through 2 Samuel. It's also in Chronicles. And those are all the history books of the Old Testament. And we see the giants keep popping up. Their name changes over time, but it's but the Bible's very clear. It's the same group, okay? So on your last note today, you could write, the, where you have the word Gath written, you could draw another arrow and then write Rapha or Rephaim, okay? And, and that's what their name ended up as. And so as we close today, I, I just want to mention again this verse. We read it a few moments ago. When David was gathering those stones in the brook, it says in verse, 1 Samuel 17, 40, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So most people think that David took five stones like in case he missed with one of the first shots. <laughs> so he'd have a few shots lined up there. But that's actually not it, guys. David took five stones because Gath had five giants. It had Goliath and his brothers. So when you read, that, when you read it with that context, you're like, wow, what great faith David showed. You know, some just think he was being a little cautious by grabbing those extra stones. No, no, he was ready to go four more times. <laughs> There were five giants, so he brought five stones. He didn't need an extra stone. He knew that God was with him, and he knew that when God is on your side, you become a giant killer. And if you are a Christian, you have God with you. And when God is with you, you can do whatever God has set before you today. You can kill giants. Now, hey, thanks to the Israelites, and I mean this sincerely, a big thanks to them. We don't have to do that. We don't have to kill any giants today. But... God has something for you to do, all right? And he's going to empower you to do it. So get out there and do it. And if you think that sounds a little bit weird, that's fine. But I hope you're a little bit more weird today too. Thanks for listening. God bless you for sticking around till the end. Have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next time. 